talking to Mr. The Dome. Spooty, spoot, spoot. E, eh, eh, e, eh, e. Yes. E. Hello. Hi, I am Zim. Yes, yes. You're part of the collective now. Muscular beaver, whoosh! Just kidding. It's being like this. Hi, I'm a voice actor. Here at Rock and Shock for Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Could we have a better intro than that? Yes, you could not. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Welcome yet again to another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee that if you listen, you get to hear stuff. This week we get to hear some pretty cool shit. Uh with an old, 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 old friend of the oh, show. Old. old, really old. Uh I'm the oldest guy here still, but this guy's been around. Uh, oh, God damn. Almost as long as we've been around. Uh, is TalkCast 460. Uh, we're walking right on the edge of, of, of like stuff from the very beginning. Um, I've known George uh, since uh, uh, <laughs> since the very first time we ever did a Boston Comic Con. Well, that was maybe the first the, one, too? Uh, no, I think that was the second one. The first one was the one uh, underneath uh, some hotel. Yeah, uh, I think that was it. I think that the, was us. The yeah, Jim Lee year. Yeah, that was it. That was it. And and uh, oh oh, and joining us tonight once again <laughs> is is uh, Captain Windy Cam, um, who's, who's out of his out of his out of his shell tonight. Uh, so he's he's no longer a hero on the half shell. He's gotten the cast uh, taken off from his uh, miniature golfing accident. How's how's the wrist feeling? It's going to require a little work here. You know, it's just I'm flopping it back and forth. It's like there's no bones, no muscle, no tendons. I just like if you can see me, it's just waving it. It's just going back and forth. Just so like, you're doing I, that I that even... kind of Queen Elizabeth kind of deal with it now? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, the I was more thinking, you know, that when I hold my arm up, I look like a velociraptor. It's just it's like dangling down. I just might as well just walk through the house, you know, stalking my prey, you know. So essentially. Man. So essentially nothing new then. Gotcha. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, back to normal. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And and the winds in New Hampshire uh have been in the high fifties, early sixties, uh, which because uh according to an anomaly by the US Weather Service, after whatever the hell is going to hit on Wednesday of this week, uh, which is election day, the winds are going to switch places with the temperatures. So the winds will be five degrees and the temperatures will be 60 degrees. So I don't know what the hell's going on, but this is <laughs> such bullshit that we're going through up here. It is unfucking believable. Um, oh. It is starting to rain cats and dogs. Uh, there is, there is hellfire raining down from the skies. We have no idea what's happening. And by the time, any of you actually hear this, if there is still anything left of the universe, we will all just be happy people. I have no idea what's going on. But it's still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, people are should be wearing a goddamn mask. If you're not, you're an idiot. Be safe. Uh, vote safely. Stay safe. Um, uh, just... Don't be stupid. Vote. Uh, uh, and and tonight our our guest is somebody that every time we have on has something really cool to bring to the table. 
And how do I know he has something to, cool to bring to the table? Because I've been locked in this goddamn cell for over a year and a half. I know because I, I've signed up for his for his uh, for his newsletter, which is which is called. Um, I thought it was here's how you can help. No, it isn't. It's, it's called figuring it out on the fly by George O'Connor, uh, which kind of gives away the guest. Uh, the guest tonight is George O'Connor. Hey, George, how you doing, man? I am so happy to be here tonight. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's wonderful to talk to you. Now, I'll tell you, I, I got to let you in on, on a little secret here. I love secrets. Um, people like you. <laughs> uh, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> it's a hell of a page turn. Creators. People who are creators like you, smart people, not always smart people, but people like you who are creators who, who usually get their stuff out via uh, Facebook, uh, Kickstarter, uh, going to conventions, meeting people who have not been able to do that, have, have now taken to these 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 newsletters yeah some of them like yours are very informative and interesting others i must tell you and cam you will corroborate this with me others are terrifying <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. yep i will agree with that there is some t I mean, they're angry at what's going on. Oh, okay. They're angry that they can't do what they want to do. They're like a child without a pacifier. And they're, they're, they are raging their spleen at all 400 of their chimp male subscribers. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and oh my God, I got one the other day and I kind of passed it around to the coordinating committee of the Upper Valley Comic Expo and said, guys, and I said in very low hushed tones, guys, there may be times when we all feel this way, <laughs> but don't you dare ever, ever put this down and send it out to anyone ever for yeah. any reason. Oh my God. And then the, the following day, I got your bi-weekly edition of figuring it out on the fly. And I went, well, let's see what my good friend, George O'Connor <laughs> is up to this week. And there's this beautiful, beautiful image. I must say. Mm. And the, it, it's, entitled Charlie's Adventure Starts in 12 Days. Intrigued, Excellent. I read on. <laughs> years of hard work and even more years of thinking, plotting, and writing come to life on Monday, November 9th, which is exactly one week from today mm -hmm. and where we're recording this. When Charlie's Spot launches on Kickstarter. Now, I've known you for a long time. Mm -hmm. And over this long time, you've done a whole lot of different projects. I mean, it's hard to define. You know, if, if somebody said to me, what is a George O'Connor? Mm. Hmm. That is a difficult question. And, and I'm not even going to try because that's just bullshit. There's no way. There's, there's no freaking answer. There. I uh, wanted to hear you try, Dove. I really did want to hear you try because that was going to be really epic if you could pull it off. You uh, know, there's no, no way in hell. <laughs> you know, if, if I were to try and sum it up real quick. Because I do do a lot of stuff. Um, a George O'Connor is somebody whose creative engine is still running, who is still curious, 
who still has enough of his 12-year-old alive that runs around going, look at what I made, um, and has found himself incredibly fortunate to be surrounded by creative people um, who are willing to give their time, talent uh, to my projects. Uh, you know, if you want to sum it up in one line, a George O'Connor is an incredibly fortunate guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and here I see a picture of some... Okay. I'm going to back up a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Maybe two years. Is, has it been two years... Since your last big Santa project? Yes. So, um, yeah, probably about a year and a half ago, uh, we did the Kickstarter for Silent Night, uh, the graphic novel. Uh, and Silent Night answers the question, what does Santa Claus do when he's not at the North Pole making toys for the good girls and boys? And, uh... We thought, obviously, he would be a crime-fighting, crime-noir private detective using his Santa powers to help find lost children. Um, so, you know, basically, Batman um, with a big beard. Um, yeah, so we, we did that, um, yeah, probably about a year and a half ago. Um, but, but what yeah. blows me away is this. Having known you for... God damn it, close to 10 or 11 years now? It's at least 11 at this point, yeah. Each time you come up and go, Dome, check out this project. It bears no resemblance to any of your other projects, number one. It is completely original. Thank you. And it is stupefyingly brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's that's for better or for worse. That I'm not the horror guy or the comedy guy or the whatever guy. Um, that might be bad branding on my part. Uh, <laughs> You know, if I, if I were to go back 10, 15 years, um, but you know, just pick a genre and stay with it for fuck's sake. Would yeah, you please? Yeah. You know, that would, that would probably be better for, you know, the O'Connor brand or whatever. Um, there's no O'Connor brand. Uh, I, you know, I find there, there are projects that bop into my head all the time. There are ideas that pop into my head all the time. Um, and what I listen to are the ones that keep coming back. Um, you know, I've got a notebook. I've got, you know, my phone is full of ideas. My computer is full of ideas. Um, and my first test is what are the ones that keep coming back? Um, and that's that's how I choose what I'm going to work on next. Um, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a grinder. Um, even though I've been doing this, you know, at least the the, the comic book side, I've been doing this 10, 11 years. Um, it's you know, it's still a grind. It's um, I'm still trying to get better. Uh, I'm trying to improve as a writer, as a creator, as a collaborator. Um, and when you're on the grind level where really the only thing that you can control and count on is the experience of making the thing, then I'm a big believer in picking a thing you want to spend, you know, in this case, in Charlie spot case, two years producing it. Um, and more than that thinking about it, plotting it, writing it, building the world. Um, because if, if the experience is the only thing that you can control, why, why work on something that, that doesn't fire you up? 
you know, um, no one's paying me millions of dollars to write these things, to create these things, to go through the grind of creating these things. I, I love this stuff. Like, you know, clearly it doesn't matter how gray my hair gets. Um, I'm not done thinking, creating and playing what if games. Um, but it is, but it is a grind. Um, so if you're going to put all that time and effort and, you know, frustration that just naturally pops up along the way, why would you do all of that and then wrap it around something you don't love that, that with a fire, you have to get into the world. And that's where, that's where, you know, these ideas come from. That's the, that's the engine behind them, that there's a part of me that needs them out in the world. And so then, yeah, yeah. So here's the deal. <clears throat> Maybe about two, three months ago, I was uh, stumbling through uh, a pile of stuff in Area 51 and came across uh, my, my bound copy of Silent Night. Mm. Read it again, was entranced by it again, and just went, oh man, he just needs to like, Focus in on this. Just, mm. just, just do this series. Just, just make this, make this the series. Mm. And then a month later, Charlie Spot shows up in my email, <laughs> and I'm going, "All right, number one, this is like nothing you've ever done before." Yeah. This is a whole different attitude, whole different story, whole different look, whole different heart. Yeah. And I will be honest with you. I cried on the second page. <laughs> I don't this say that a lot. I don't mm -hmm. say that a lot because a lot of shit just doesn't affect me that way anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm too old for stuff like that to affect me anymore. Um, the last time a piece of not of fiction affected me like that was a, a story that Stacy Longo wrote. And that was mm -hmm. seven years, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And I called her up and I said, you made me cry and I hate you forever. Uh, <laughs> Oh, those are the best calls to get. Yeah, I saved that one. I saved that one for here. Um, so explain to the listeners, mm -hmm. because this is a week before the Kickstarter even begins. Yes. Why? What Charlie's what 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 Charlie's about? what Charlie's spot is about and why we're talking about it a week before the Kickstarter starts and why we need this to get off with a huge fricking bang. Thank you, man. All right. So the log line, the pitch for Charlie's spot is a homeless veteran loses his busking spot after he has a heart attack. And when he comes back, the entire city park is in chaos because it turns out his bucket busking spot was the centerpiece to to this park and when he had this heart attack and left there was a void and so it's become basically a busking war over who will control this four by four spot and our story follows charlie as he goes around the city trying to unravel the knot of how does he get his spot back. And as I've been thinking about it, if, if you like, um, oh, let me think. So Scotty Young, he has a book called Middle West. Uh, he has a book called Fuck Fairyland. Um, and then, oh, I feel it's always on the tip of my tongue and now I'm forgetting it. Let me see if I can reach over here real quick. One moment.
All right. I apologize for that. Terry Moore. So Terry Moore, Strangers in Paradise, Motor Girl. Um, yep. Those, those are the books that I painted as targets because what they do so well, and man, does Strangers in Paradise really do this well. You will have pages and moments and scenes of ridiculous, over-the-top comedy. And then you'll turn the page and you will get hit in the gut with legit feels. Um, and that's kind of what I was going for with this book. Um, you know, uh, maybe a little bit Big Lebowski-ish, where, you know, Big Lebowski, at the surface, it's a very simple story. A man wants his rug back. But the Big Lebowski is not, it, it is a ridiculous over-the-top story about a very simple want. And I'm hoping some of that DNA got baked into Charlie's spot. That um, you'll connect with a character that I just, I fucking love. I love Charlie to death. He is, he is, he's broken, but he's not down. Um, he's reserved, but hopeful. Um, and I look at him as, as I think sometimes we all forget how many people actually have our back. And when we meet Charlie, he has forgotten how many people have, has his back. Um, and so we're going to kind of discover his world, how he got there, where he's going. Um, and then we're going to throw in some beautiful comic book over the top ridiculousness and magic, uh, into it as well. Um, I am so fortunate to be working with Meredith Laxton, who is the illustrator of this book. Um, she is a dream of a collaborator, someone who can take an idea that I think is really good and she'll say one thing or she'll draw something a certain way and it's exponentially better. She has added her heart and her talent to this story to elevate it. Um, and then Ali Pepitone is doing the colors and my God, her stuff is just pops off the page. It's just, it's, it's gorgeous. Um, and then originally I was going to letter it. Um, and it would have been, it would have been fine. Like I, my lettering will never make you put down a comic book, but. I realized watching Meredith elevate the story, watching Allie elevate the story, I wasn't going to elevate the story with my lettering. And I didn't want to do that. So uh, I got in contact with Taylor Esposito, who is an amazing letterer, a total pro. He will do everything from, you know, the big two and the big uh, independent the IDWs, the dark horses like that. And then if you go down um, Artist Alley, you will see his book on a whole bunch of Grinders books. And what blew me away is you get the same talent and care and effort, whether it's a Dark Horse book or it's some person in Artist Alley selling 25 copies. Taylor brings it in every issue. Um, and so I've got this team that I get to work with, collaborate with, watch them do their magic, and they're taking this thing I love, and they're taking such good care of it, and they're elevating it to this to this level that I could only have dreamed of. How uh, did you find Charlie? So for 10 years, I worked in downtown Crossing in Boston. Um, and you you when you keep that same routine for 10 years, you notice the same people in the same places and, you know, the same, you know, whether it's buskers, whether it's homeless, um, 
they're they're just kind of in the same spot day in day out spring summer winter fall all of that and it was an innocent question i wonder how they decide who gets to stay where you know because if it's the same person in the same place there's got to be some sort of agreement so that was the beginning of it of you know there's got to you know there's there's got to be some way that they figure this out um and then little bits started popping into my head of you know well well what if there is the perfect spot you know in our world the perfect spot is right between people going to work and people visiting the city park so you get the you get the 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 business money and you get the tourist money and charlie has that spot and because of his status no one would ever risk taking that spot but once there's a vacuum all hell breaks loose so it was a it was just a it was just i was just playing what if um and then you know started thinking about well who's who's charlie you know there and yeah the very real fact is there there's thousands of reasons someone could end up in the same spot in a city square selling his his paintings you know um and one of the and i think i had gotten hit with a bunch of media that was like you know the crazy homeless veteran and the fact of the matter is that's a terrible trope because you know veterans in that situation like just like everybody most of them if they are dealing with something they're dealing with it they're not hurting anybody they're not a threat to anybody they're just going through it and i wanted and i thought that would be an interesting thing to see and to run, to remind people that you don't you don't have to be you know quote unquote crazy you don't have to be damaged beyond repair to end up in this situation when i hit that part and i started thinking about charlie and his family that's when i was like i think i love this guy you know you start cuz you know i'm hoping in this book you're also going to get somebody to to root for right that that and again, another kind of human thing I wanted to tap into is we all have people we love who, unfortunately, they can't see what you love about them. You can tell them, you can try to explain it, but there's that thing of that it's really hard to look into yourself sometimes and accept and love the things about you that other people love. Um... And so I kind of wanted to explore someone like that, someone that kind of feels like he's not, he's too broken to be worthy of love or care or affection, and it's just not true. Um, so that's kind of where it started with it. And then here's the secret sauce to all of this. At one point, as I was doing this gestation thing, I was with a bunch of friends, and I had said, you know, at that point, I was like, I'm thinking of writing a story about a homeless veteran who loses his busking spot and he's got to go on an adventure around the city, you know, kind of an overtop, bizarre, quirky adventure to get his spot back. And one of my friends said, yeah, what are you going to do with the other 45 minutes of your movie? And that pissed me off. That pissed me off that he dismissed <laughs> this idea. Just just so quickly you know and so the secret sauce in charlie spot is spite <laughs> i love charlie to death i love his story i love the characters i love i love the, i love the world before meredith alley and taylor got involved i fucking love this world that they have brought to life visually. Um, the way they have elevated, you know, my Microsoft Word doc into these 80 pages of, of color and text. Um, as much as I love Charlie Spot, 
I need to show this asshole how wrong he was to dismiss this story. Um, and that truly was the rocket fuel to make me go, motherfucker, I am going to write the hell out of this story. I am going to give Charlie such an art. Um, so that's, that's it. You know, when, if we're going to come down to it, you know, if I'm going to wrap up this 10 minute monologue, Charlie's spot is 75% love and 25% spite. It's a nice mix. It's a good mix. I like it. You know, sometimes cre- look, creating things is hard. Um, especially, you know, the older you get, the more responsibilities you have. Um, the more your time and energy uh, and and love and attention gets spread out. Um, so finding that little extra kick to, to keep a project going, like who cares where it comes from? You know, um, so I, you know, it, I thank him. Who knows if we would be sitting here talking about Charlie's spot if he had just, if he had said, that eh, sounds interesting. Right, like I, that might I still might be pecking at this idea instead of you know what turned into you know a snowball of putting it together, um, and then I think you would ask you know and why Kickstarter, um, and why it's important. So, well, two things. One, Kickstarter is an amazing platform because. As a creator, I get to reach people I never would be able to. And true. And the backer, as a backer, and I mean, I have, I have now, I think I'm now over like 220 projects backed on Kickstarter. You know, so I mean, I, I put my money where my mouth is as far as my, you know, evangelical nature about Kickstarter. Um, I have discovered creators. I have discovered stories. Um. And, and I have helped bring things to life that I never would have been able to if it wasn't for this platform. Whether it's, you know, somebody in Illinois, whether it's somebody in Nevada or somebody in London, in India, in Australia. I get to discover all of these amazing things, these new ideas, these new stories, these new storytellers. I get to find them on this platform. Um, and, and as a lover of creativity, that's awesome. As a creator myself, helping other people bring their thing to life is, I think, kind of part of the social contract. Um, and I love playing that role. So going to Kickstarter, um, I get to open up my ideas to the world, um, and that, and I mean that literally. I have sent packages to Australia, to Germany, to Ireland, to you know, to all of these places. Um, and it's amazing. Um, Kickstarter has turned backers into fans. Um, you know, uh, bouncing back to my newsletter, uh, figuring it out on the fly. What I try to do with that newsletter is just kind of explain some of the stuff that I'm going through. Like it's, it's all the mental hurdles of being a creative. That's what I try and kind of dissect. And I figure if I talk about them and what I'm trying to do to overcome them or could just get better, that's really all this is, is just getting better. That if I can share my journey, my stories, my thoughts, my breakthroughs, that maybe that can help somebody else. So in figuring out on the fly, what I talk about a lot is finding tangible facts to help counterbalance when the stupid part of our brain starts telling us we're not smart enough, we're not creative enough, nobody cares about us, whatever that stupid internal monologue we all have is. Kicks, thanks to Kickstarter, I now have people who I've never met, who are not family members, who <laughs> by one way or another found one of my earlier Kickstarters and they've become a fan and they have come back every time. So when I do get into that funk of nobody gives a shit, why am I doing this? I have this group of people 
who have shown me by their actions that people do care, that people are interested in what I say, and there are people who can't wait to see what I do next, and they are ready to back it. That, I mean, forget about the monetary part of Kickstarter. That is invaluable. That is the stuff that, you know, beyond next Monday, you know, the ninth when we launch, that's the stuff that'll help me keep doing this. Um, so that's, that's why I love Kickstarter. Um, I am thrilled that I've got this group of people through my other Kickstarters, through my mailing list, that when we launch, I'm going to get to introduce them to Meredith, to Allie, and to Taylor. Um, I'm going to get to show off these amazing creatives and collaborators to my fans. And I hope that then they become fans of Meredith, Allie, and Taylor. Um, do you know, do you know, what's cool that I don't, I don't know if you know this or not yet, uh, but there's, there's something cool that you did. Um, uh, and I didn't know that this existed on Kickstarter. If this is something new or not, is that you could have an upcoming project notification. Yeah. Is this something new? Ish new ish. Like, um, funny. You don't look newish, but, that's <laughs> um, in that there's there's a link and and we're going to provide people with that link so that uh once that kickstarter goes live you can be notified immediately yes. because that triggers a, a cutesy little algorithm within the kickstarter bowels uh, that does some very good things uh for the project itself but one of the things that i found most interesting about it is this and i don't know if you check uh, do you check that at all Have i you try that? i try not to i treat okay. it like the stock then let market me let, let me tell you something that you might find interesting yes do you know how many people have signed up for that i know from a couple from maybe five or six days ago yeah, there there are over seventy people who have signed up for that. That is more than the last time I checked. <laughs> so which there, means which sorry, means that the day you go live, seventy people want to know about it. Yeah, and yeah, we're we're talking about the ta the tangible things that we can hold on to that, that those seventy people mean yeah. in terms of bringing that towards fruition without knowing a uh what the cost of any of those rewards is going to be or yeah. b what any of them are or c other than what you said in your newsletter this friggin' thing is about they've well, seen a cover that, and i think five pages yeah that's gotta suck <laughs> it's it like i said it's the it's amazing you know, um, and it almost doesn't matter why they did that because why, why they signed up because like, if we, if we want to get into like Kickstarter behind the scenes real quick and I'll try and keep it quick. Cause it's, I don't know how sexy that is, is, is to anybody else. But if you are a supporter of a creator on Kickstarter, here's how you can help. Kickstarter is an algorithm, just like everything else these days. If on day one, you start, you know, people start backing you um, and the snowball starts to get built. At some point, the Kickstarter algorithm will take note and go, you, we're going to we're going to promote you so more people can find you um, because Kickstarter, you know, they make money. They make more when money, you make money when we make money. So if they see a project that is off to a killer start, they're like that one. Elevate it. Let's get more people to this thing that clearly other people are digging. So day one is massively important for the rest of the campaign. Um, I will admit it sounds kind of gross saying it 
out loud because it is the business of creative. But oh, how it, dare but you it's give the truth. Shit it about is, the business. <laughs> it it's the re, it's the reality of the situation. So when you've got seventy people sitting on that notification, um, that's not a bad thing. No, it's fucking phenomenal because it they either want to help that first day be awesome or you know they're willing or or they're willing and able to help you know help boost that algorithm maybe they won't be able to back on the first day but they understand how important that notify me tag is how important that first day is so even if they can't financially back they're showing me how much they care how much they want me to succeed by doing these things and there's a certain reality that exists in that other forms of income for an independent uh, 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 contractor in, in the comic industry right now, those, those other forms of income simply do not frigging exist right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I got, I have a, a basement full of books, you know, um, just just like every year around January, February, I look at my con schedule. I make a rough guess of, you know, the, the shows I'm going to do, a rough guess about the number of books I'm going to need. And if I need to reorder, I reorder. And I went through that process. And then March 13th happened, you know, and one by one you watch all these conventions disappear. Um, Close down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it is. So one of the things we're trying to do with this Kickstarter, um, you know, I do a bunch of conventions every year. Uh, Meredith does a bunch of conventions every year. So we're, we're calling them the convention experience where, um, you know, as part of some of the rewards, you can buy graphic novels from me. You can buy Meredith's mini comics and pins from her. Um, and the way we've kind of set it up is if you back at those tiers, those funds are going to go directly to the creators to help offset the conventions that we've missed. Um, so if you're discovering Meredith for the first time and you know you you've seen her storytelling through you know through with me as a collaborator well now you can discover you know like the like the the 100 percent clean cut or, or uncut meredith with her with her mini comics um and i think she's also like anybody that orders one of these she's giving them like nine free prints along with it as well <laughs> um so it's you know like as I was thinking about this Kickstarter, um, I wanted it to be more than just, you know, here's George, here's my book. Oh, and by the way, these are the people that helped make it. It's like, no, fuck that. This is not George and his amazing friends. Um, this is a team of four people who, uh, it's, this is tough for me to say, who are talented. It's tough to, for me to put myself into that. This is the mental stuff I'm talking about. There are four people who are talented, who are tremendous collaborators, who worked together to put this story together. Their, their background, their storytelling techniques and expertise coming together to bring this one story, this, you know, to life. And on Monday, we're going to show you the first chapter. We're going to give you the first issue. The first, uh, it's going to be what it technically, technically it is the first issue, 24 pages book. That's what's going up on the ninth. And like I said, I wanted to make sure this wasn't just, I didn't want this to be just about me because it's not just about me. You know, I'm, I'm not here without Meredith. I'm not here without Allie. I'm not here without Taylor. Charlie isn't here. Charlie isn't as, beautiful as he and the book is without all four of us. So as much as I can, I want this Kickstarter to also be a celebration um, of the people involved. 
Mm-hmm. I can't begin to tell you how excited I was to see this, how excited I was to be able to talk to you tonight, how hopeful I am for the future, especially for May the 1st, mm-hmm. that things work out well enough for all of us yeah. so that May the 1st, <clears throat> we can see you at the Upper Valley Comic Expo, uh, which may be the first comic expo that happens in 2021 or close to it. If you think about the time frame and everything, you're right. Yeah. That we're in a happier, healthier place. And uh, that our convention family comes back together again. Absolutely. Because that's, cause that's what we are. And Dude, that's, that's what brought us together, right? That, Conventions that is, and the Artist Alley experience. That's, that's what brought us together. You know, you've discovered and elevated so many people from, you know, the Artist Alley convention floor. I've met, been inspired, worked with people I've met on this convention floor. I think that's what I really love about the show and the spirit behind it is it's, it, you know, fuck it. I'll say it. it yeah, it's like a magical place. It is. You know? And we're like going to refer- it that way. I like to refer to it as my con family reunion. Because it's yeah. all these people I know. Like I go, and there's George over there. And there's Griff. And, you know, there's Matt over there. And, you know, it, and it's just all these people that I know that I get to see, you know, you know, just like a few times a year. But... It's so great to see all your faces, and it's what I love about the cons and why I'm jonesing for next year when we can hopefully get back to this, uh, you know, this this con life that we have. I think I've realized, like, I might be as an individual more ec- more introverted, but as a creative, I'm an extrovert as hell. I I, I walk out of conventions so inspired from the conversations I have, from the other art I see, from the other stories I buy. Um, You know, even a grinder like San Diego or New York Comic Con. um, I walk out of there geeked up and excited to create. You know, and that, that, I, I miss that, you know. I miss that, that, that injection of uh, creative excitement. Yeah. I I saw a uh, Facebook post from a mutual friend of ours, uh, Christopher Golden, about a month ago. And he was in a very depressed mood. And he just basically was one sentence. And he goes, I'm just wondering if we're ever going to have another convention Again, we absolutely and, and, will. And I just typed back in, "Hang in there, brother. Yeah. Just hang in there." Yeah, we will. Better days are coming. Don't have to hold your breath. May have to hold your nose for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as you know, keep a song in your heart, and you keep friends like like you hanging around can't tell you how much fun it is to talk to you you'll know how much fun it is to be together again soon uh our guest tonight to talk about charlie spot number one coming up on kickstarter in one week has been the incredible george o'connor george thank you so much my friend it's been so good to talk to you again I love you guys so goddamn much. Thank you for thank you for caring about me. Um, but more importantly, thank you for caring about the creators and elevating them. Um, I think that's as 
everything I need to know about y'all, your dedication and excitement for other creators. Just, I can't tell you how much it means. I personally appreciate it and fuck do I love you guys. And we're done. <laughs> I couldn't uh, end the show any better than that. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce we have. We love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying... Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime. Good night, everybody. <laughs>